I love that the trend in clothing now is about like unbothered luxury. Well, that is why you need to check out Quince. It is a game changer. I now have a wardrobe of luxury essentials that a transition from one occasion to the next. I look like a classy lady and I stay on budget. There are 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50. Are you kidding me? Also, I love their organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops that look good on everybody. And now they have timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. I love their cashmere. It is so soft and the quality is amazing. The gray one that I've had for years still looks brand new, but I've added different colors to them this season because who doesn't love fabulous cashmere? Also, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash juicy for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash juicy to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash juicy. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Heather McDonald has got the juices scoop. When you're on the road, when you're on the go, Juicy Scoop is the show to know. She talks Hollywood tales, her real life Mr. Sigmund, serial data, and serial sister. You'll be addicted and addicted fast to the number one tabloid real life podcast. Listen in, listen up. Woo, woo. Heather McDonald. Juicy Scoop. Hello and welcome to Juicy Scoop. Well, I've got a juicy show for you. We're going to get into some hot topics. Then I have a great interview I did with one of the other people besides myself that is heavily featured in the House of Kardashian documentary, which is now available on Peacock. And a lot of people are watching it. A lot of people have questions. We go through a lot that was not covered, that was cut out from the doc. We are going to get into it. It's really juicy. And then also, I do have an earring update. I'm just waiting to get a little more information. So that'll be later on once it comes. But I wanted to get this part of the show recorded for you guys to listen to and enjoy but we have that later. Okay, here's some juicy fun that has been going crazy. There's some guy that's a contestant on F-Boy Island, and he's pretty cute, and he went on a podcast, which is now, this clip has gone viral, where he's talking to some other dude who's also attractive about how he had a threesome with two Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And he said, yeah, I, I did them both. And then the mom went out and she was on the trampoline within minutes of me finishing or something, bouncing around. So when the husband came home, he didn't think anything of it, that I was there, that she was on the trampoline bouncing around with her kids. He then goes on to say, um, shortly after I got a message from the husband and he said, oh, you you do real estate at the time he was doing real estate. Um, come meet me out for lunch. And then he had some like guy that looked like he was in the FBI or something with him. And he's like, if you ever mess with my wife again, like watch out. That's his story. So of course, everybody is speculating. Now, is this even true? 
could he have thought they're real housewives of Beverly Hills, but maybe they were, you know, saying they were going to be on a reality show and they were doing a reel and it never happened. The guy looks pretty young. So how many seasons ago was this from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? Um, mostly people think it's Carlton, who was on one season like 10 years ago. She was a witch. She was into Wicca. And she lived in like a medieval house that eventually Josh Altman sold. And she and her husband were swingers. And they were pretty open about it. She was definitely bi. And she... And Brandy talked about making out in her pool one afternoon after having lots of Sauvignon Blanc. And so the consensus in the comments is people believe it is Brandy Glanville and maybe this woman Carlton. I say, who the hell knows? Since the beginning of time, men have bragged and exaggerated and lied about banging chicks, whether it's in the locker room or now behind a mic on a podcast. There's no way of knowing, but it made the weekend kind of fun. And who the hell knows, okay? Uh, oh, this was interesting. Leanne Rimes has commented about, in light of reading Britney Spears' book, she says, I dealt with the same thing. I was a child star. I was a teenager singer that felt very controlled. She had a falling out with her dad, who was... Um, a managing partner in her life. And I thought that was really interesting. And she said, only until about the last five years have I been able to say no professionally, personally, everything, because I was such a yes girl being a teen in this business. So I thought that was really interesting in relating to Brittany. F1 in Las Vegas, I guess, was a big dud as far as no shows. I actually have heard both. I've seen videos of people walking through casinos that are completely empty, other people saying they're completely empty because everybody is watching the F1 race. Uh, other people are saying, oh, the, the price is plummeted. Then there's video of Paris Hilton coming to do a DJ gig at, I think, the Virgin Hotel. And the, the room scans and it's half full and she's like pissed. And there's comments about that. Who knows? Sometimes with these big moments, especially in Las Vegas, it makes people completely avoid going to that city or going to Las Vegas because they're like, if I'm not interested in going to the F1 thing, I don't even want to be that there. That is just going to be a shithole or whatever. It's going to be a rat fuck. So I don't know. So I thought that was pretty interesting how sometimes these things that get so built up then turn out to be kind of like a financial bust. Okay, now some very juicy and disturbing news that happened just within 24 hours. The news broke that Cassie Ventura who was an artist that worked with P. Diddy. They started dating back in, in the early 2000s. 2005 is actually when they started to date. She and P. Diddy, Puff Daddy, P. Diddy, Sean Combs. And she was one of his artists and she was very talented. And they had this relationship that went on for many years. And she came forward with a $30 million lawsuit and... The claims in this lawsuit were absolutely shocking. Um, she said that he physically kicked her many times, one time in the face so badly that she had to recover in a hotel for a week. She, he also kicked her on another occasion because she was talking to a different agent. He always had guns around and he even gave her a gun to carry just to let him know, let her know how intimidating he was. 
All these stories are coming out about P. Diddy. Uh, 50 Cent is commenting. It's There's uh, videos being made, people pointing out strange coincidences, like every single partner that started with P. Diddy with his record label are all but one besides P. Diddy, I think are now deceased, um, all kind of by heart attack or Kim Porter, who was the mother of his children and also one of the, I think it was, yes, she was the mother of, of P. Diddy's children. She passed away a couple of years ago of pneumonia. People think that's strange. So there's a lot of conspiracy theories going on. All of these people allegedly had books coming out, including Cassie. Tell all books about P. Diddy. I had mentioned a couple months before when P. Diddy announced that he is giving the rights, uh, the the publishing rights of all of his artists, he's giving it back to them. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that so sweet? And I said, I don't think this is his Christian service. I think he's doing this because something's coming down and he wants them to be grateful that they have their publishing rights back, which is extremely financially good for the artists. According to Aubrey O'Day, this was offered before, and it also involved signing an NDA in which they could no longer, they could never talk about P. Diddy along with receiving their publishing rights back. There's a lot of information like this going around, but within this lawsuit, it's really shocking. He threatened to blow up um, the the kid Cootie's car because she was like talking to him or he thought that she, he was flirting with her. And, you know, th this was all about controlling Cassie for all these years, even though he had other relationships and whatnot, he was always controlling her with uh, physical abuse, sexual abuse, and also sex trafficked. She was sex trafficked, according to the lawsuit, in which she said, he would bring male prostitutes in in which she'd have to have co coercive sex with them and he would film it and he called it freaky deekies and got her and you know said it was voyeurism and all this and other people and rappers have referred to his freaky deekies getting back to kid cootie's car at one point kid cootie's car did blow up i don't know if we ever knew who did that but those were the other things also i heard back in the late 90s when i was out trying to get with a manager. I remember one manager said, oh yeah, um, I work with J-Lo and, and Puff Daddy. And we had a meeting and this was like a normal office like in Wilshire. And this is what this guy told me. So this is his story. It's alleged. But during the meeting, the way they start the meetings is Sean Combs, Puff Diddy, <laughs> Puff Daddy, P. Diddy, would put down his gun on the table before they even started talking about like an entertainment deal. So there is a lot that's coming out that, you know, to the, to the insiders of this world, no, they're not shocked. So the people like me, well, now I think about this gun story, which I remember thinking, really? Like Puff Daddy didn't seem to me like a scary thug criminal. He really did it. And I think to the average person, they didn't see him like that. And now this is all out there. So there's a lot coming out, but there probably won't be as much coming out because the case was settled within 24 hours. It was settled. And part of that settlement is that she and her husband, Cassie, and their two kids can go live their life and they're not going to speak about it again. And he gave the money. His attorney was, I think, someone who used to work for Harvey Weinstein, and he said this settlement in no way is saying that he was at all guilty. But 
yeah, this is bad. And he did not want this dragged out to try to save a few million dollars. I don't know what $30 million is to him. I assume if she asked for 30, that's what she got, being that it was in 24 hours. I don't think she settled for, for you know, eight, but that's just my opinion. And so maybe he's like, my God, I'm worth whatever. Someone could probably tell me how much he's worth, but he's worth, if he's worth 100, 200 million dollars, 30 million is not going to change his lifestyle at all. And if he can keep people from not talking about this, then that is the way to go because it seems to be a lot of uh, corroboration, if I'm saying that right, corroboration, a lot of people corroborating these kinds of stories about him. There's videos of him with Justin Bieber feeling nervous and there's stories of, you know, men, women, teenagers, everything that is not good for him. So that was crazy. Um, let me see. Uh, Zahara, uh, Zahara, who is Angelina Jolie's daughter, she is loving college at Spelman. She joined the Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority and uh, Angelina was there for, I guess, uh, presence nights. That's what we called it in our day. She seems to be wearing a white dress and that's what we would wear. And like oftentimes parents would come if they could make it. And she has removed Pitt from her name. You know, she is over 18. So I guess if she wants to do that, she can. And Brad Pitt was not present. So that was interesting. But she's getting, Angelina Jolie is just getting a lot of praise for the way she has raised her daughter, their strong relationship being that her daughter was adopted and the daughter seems extremely happy. And I think that's very cool. Bianca, Kanye's wife. Finally, maybe she was listening to Juicy Scoop, but according to these reports, sources close to her finally got to her. They kind of had a friend and family intervention and they are allegedly taking a break they aren't together and Kanye is having trouble getting his music published he is still making horrible anti-semitic remarks in songs allegedly and everyone's just like ugh. but it got to the point where she wasn't allowed to speak she had to wear you know nylons up to her nipples and walk around holding a pillow through Paris and Italy and hopefully she's enough time away from someone when when you're in a cult-like relationship or you know type of situation like that whether it's a group of people and everybody's sucked into one person or it's an actual cult or it's a relationship where they have isolated you from everybody else each day that you're away from that narcissistic horrible person i think will be a day closer to you seeing what was actually happening so this girl is young and pretty. I don't know much about her, but obviously I'm team get the hell away from Kanye if you're a woman. I love that the trend in clothing now is about like unbothered luxury. Well, that is why you need to check out Quince. It is a game changer. I now have a wardrobe of luxury essentials that a transition from one occasion to the next. I look like a classy lady and I stay on budget. There are 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50. Are you kidding me? Also, I love their organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops that look good on everybody. And now they have timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. I love their cashmere. It is so soft and the quality is amazing. The gray one that I've had for years still looks brand new, but I've added different colors to them this season because who doesn't love fabulous cashmere? Also, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash juicy. For free shipping on your order and 365-day returns, that's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash juicy to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash juicy. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Um. Oh, I also saw that uh, Megan and Harry... Uh, uh, Tyler Perry was talking and he said, you know, we were not introduced by Oprah. I reached out to them in which then she, Megan was treating me like a therapist. And then she stayed at my house for weeks and weeks and I provided security for them and travel. And, you know, they're just great. So we haven't been hearing a lot about them. I don't know what they're going to do with their entertainment career, but I thought that was interesting. And speaking of entertainment, Kim Kardashian is going to be starring in a comedy called The Fifth Wheel, and that is written by Paula Pell, who's a very funny writer who comes from SNL. She's written lots of movies and things, and Kim is going to be in it and producing it. And I actually think that's a great move. I think that she could be great in it. I think it's a great way to get eyes on your movie and get it done. And I think it's a smart move that she's moving into. So all of that fun and juicy. Okay, so now speaking of the Kardashians and where they've come, as I said, I was part of this a documentary and we have um, David on that was also featured. You're going to hear from him. And he goes way back to the very beginning of Kim and Ray J and he has the inside scoop that wasn't even revealed in the documentary and it was a real juicy um, kind of juicy history <laughs> also conversation that we had so let's get into that now well I have a juicy one here um, I guess we would be co-stars in a doc yes I, I don't know I'm yes. here with David Wine Traub Wine Traub Traub yes. Traub Wine Traub um We've known each other, run through Hollywood. I've seen you through yep. stuff. And then you contacted me because you're like, have you watched the doc yet about House of Kardashians? I had not. Yeah. Now I've watched the three episodes. You're in a lot of it. There's only there's really not that many people in this that I saw. No. Yeah. And there's only three episodes, but I feel like, they, do you think they're going to release more? I feel like there's got to be more. I mean, it, this thing is, it only covered... Chris, Kim, and really Kylie. So it's right. Not, it only really covered know. to right to like Kylie's success. Yeah. So there. So, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, they they, they didn't use know. a lot of stuff. I mean, we shot a lot of stuff. They didn't use a lot. They didn't tell any stuff about me being Scott Disick's manager too. They left that whole thing out to not make the correlation that I was Ray J's manager and Scott Disick's manager at the same time. Okay, so David, hmm. let's just get a little background on you. Yeah. So. You are like a Hollywood kid, but you went on the business side. Like, what is yeah. your story? Well, my story is I grew up in Beverly Hills and uh, I grew up, you know, amongst the- Did you go to Beverly Hills High? No, I went to Curtis and then oh, I went Curtis. to Montclair Prep. Very and nice. And then I studied business at USC. Oh, okay, great. Um, so, so I grew up in the private school system and yeah. I come from a family of, you know, doctors, lawyers, and professors. But being in that private school system, you have- so many families. Oh, and I thought you, your parent. I thought one of your parents or both of them were part of 
the movie business. Well, everybody thinks that I'm oh. Jerry Weintraub's son, oh. but you didn't understand that. Got it. And I grew up with Jerry Weintraub's kids, so they always thought that we were all brothers and but sisters. But you were not related. We're not related. Oh, got it. Okay. But, but once a Weintraub, always a Weintraub. And we're yeah. all friends. And one of my best friends married Jerry's daughter. Sean Stewart just married Jody Weintraub. So oh, wow. it's all intertwined. And, John, and Sean Stewart is the son of... Of uh, Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart. And we had a TV show together called Sons the Son- of Anarchy, right? Sons of Hollywood. Wait, Sons of Hollywood. For A&E. Yeah. Sons of Hollywood. And it was you and Spelling. Yep. What was his name? Randy. Randy Spelling. It was yep. just the three of you. Three of us. Just yeah. the three of you. Yeah. Uh, a reality show. Yeah. And, this was, and that was before the Kardashians came out. It was two years. We shot it in, we made the deal in 05, shot it in 06, came out in 07. And okay, so you finish you finish SC and you go right into being an agent or um, training for an agent. Well, See? okay, so I, I when I was like fifteen, I got a job at Interscope. Okay, that turned into a, a job as an A and R at Death Row Records. Oh wow! And I was doing that while I was in high school and then going into college. Um, and then during college, I worked at Death Row Records in the heyday of when it was the biggest label in the world and Tupac and Suge and so cool you did stuff. that and then you went to college. I, well, I, I interscoped to death row. Then I worked for Eminem, and that's during college. And then after that, I went and I worked at William Morris in the music department. I did two years there, and then I did six and a half years at UTA. So that was in the hey, I was a motion picture talent agent, but all these kids that I grew up with, like the Osbournes and Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie, we signed all of them. So as I was like supposed to be reading scripts for you know Johnny Depp and Harrison Ford, I was really focusing on getting projects made for kids that I grew up with because I saw that there was a business for the Celebu Spawns. So I was at the forefront I love that of name. That. Yeah, so I mean, that that Celebu was it. Celebu Spawn. So my first client, which actually got me promoted to agent at UTA, was Paris Hilton. So, and at that time, what was she doing? She, well, she Where was, we she was the- our, that was Randy Spelling's girlfriend for many years. Oh, that's um, right. So, I read her book. It was very good. Yeah, so, and uh, you're good friends with Tori, right? Yes, know, yeah, I, I love Tori. You know, Tori's like a sister to me. Yeah, you know, his family. Their dad was really like a, a, you know, like a godfather to me because my dad passed away when I was three years old. So mm. Aaron treated me like a son. I mean, I I've never learned more and had get more, a little closer had to more love from, you know, anyone who taught me so much about life and business. And Aaron was the greatest. That's awesome. Um, but Paris was around the spellings a lot. And then she started to kind of pop in the magazines. And here I am, Mr. Like Suit and Tie, agent guy at, you know, UTA. And we're looking into this new media division. So the new media division, when I was at William Morris, it was run by Ben Silverman. Ben Silverman yeah. was there as an agent. He had this new media department. And then at UTA, they had a new media department ran by Chris Colin. And Chris Colin is a huge TV producer now. He's got monster, monster hits. And um, I was in a different department, but I had the relationship to get Paris. So when we got Paris, brought her in, brought her to the team, got her, you know, the deal with Buna Murray and Fox and got put her in a bunch of movies. So I have a question. Did The Simple Life come before or after the sex tape was released with Paris, One Night in Paris? Um well, again, the, the timeline of these things are all different. The sex tape was shot before the Simple Life was bought, 
but it came out to coincide with the releases of it. So it sort of amplified the ability for the visibility on there because the sex tape helps kind of drive the marketing of a linear television at the same time. And what is the story with that sex tape? She she had sex with her boyfriend at the time. What was his name again? Um, Rick, Rick Solomon. Rick Solomon, who, yeah. which I thought what was so interesting about Rick Solomon is, so he films it, right? Yeah. They, she's aware or not, who knows, but they filmed it. Mm -hmm. And then he released it. How did he release it? Well, See, we we got to we got to go back to something here that keeps coming up in all these interviews, right. all these discussions. You cannot release a sex tape, okay? That it doesn't work that way. Anybody that ever says that we release the sex tape, there is no such thing as doing that. If you have a quantifiable physical copy of a DVD, something that you can get on pay per view, something that you can download, something that you're paying for in a paywall, there is a deal. There is a distribution. It's not like leaking something is putting like a clip on YouTube and seeing if it gets taken down. That's leaking something. Sex tapes are not leaked. They are sold to corporations that distribute videos and people get a split and an advance and they get paid. It's just like a record deal. So for everybody out there that thinks that it's like, oh, well, they leaked it. Everybody's got to sign on the dotted line. People so, so then what was this is where I've yeah. always been so confused. And I watched the entire Tommy and Pamela movie, which I think was like pretty accurate to what yeah. happened. That happened before Paris. Yeah. And we so then with Paris, the Solomon calls her up and is like, Hey, I'm gonna sell this with or without you, but wouldn't wouldn't legally no, she have she, to consent? Yes, yeah, she did have to consent and she did consent. And so there, there wasn't like, oh, boo-hoo, this mean boyfriend did this to me. Like if well, she would have said no, if she would have said absolutely not, could he have still done the deal without her? He couldn't have made money off of it and profited from it, but he could have released it. But in this day and time, releasing that, that's like, that's illegal. That's a crime now. That, right, that's but back sex, then. What's it okay. called? Sex shaming. Um, or or um, porn revenge. Porn revenge. Yeah, yeah that's a, that's a felony. Yeah. So you can't do that. So, okay. So, they had a deal with a company called Red Light. Okay. And Red Light was a distribution company that was able to take the content that he shot, put it in a DVD, and then distribute it. So ultimately, when they knew that like the leaks were happening, a little clip, a little clip here, he probably he may have done those. I don't know the real story of how that happened. It was like it's and out. You might as well make you money. might as well get the money Got off of it, it because you're going to lose either way. And that's basically what happened to Pam and Tommy. Right, is that they had the release of it and then the deal came. Isn't it crazy that when you watch that and how much pain and you watch her documentary and how much pain this sex tape caused her, rightfully so, and then she goes and marries Rick Solomon not once but twice. Isn't that a bizarre? I mean, uh, weird. It's a weird little world. Weird you know? little story yeah. that like doesn't make a lot. Like the worst thing that ever happened to you, unless he told her something, not the story we know, and was like, "Look, yeah, I had a sex tape too, but it, we were completely in planning and cahoots, and it was not anything that she didn't want." Would you like to get married? Then maybe Pamela was like, "Okay." I mean, I don't know, but if it seems pretty weird that you'd fall in love with someone who hurt another girl in a way that right. you were hurt. You know? I mean, you're talking about some super duper, really crazy, wild partying off the chain people. So who good, knows good, good what's point. going on? And they're good my point. neighbors. We all, you know, we all live in Malibu. See them all the time. In the boot. Yeah. Um, okay. So 
so you, you're signing Paris, and yeah. they must have loved you, UTA, for that, that you had the connection to all these people. They they did and they didn't because UTA was such a weird, dark place at that time. And I had worked so hard to, like, you know, be in my suit and tie every day and have my 911 convertible and my expense account and go to every premiere. But it was like, it was really weird. There was a group of agents that were all against another group of agents. And, like, we had the biggest people in comedy. And it was, like, wars there. And it was just a sick place but I was really good at finding talent I was not really good at like reading the scripts and be like oh here's this part for you I was a deal maker I was like a signer that's what I did and for them they didn't really understand that you know every night I would go home and I would have dinner with Aaron Spelling and he you know I had this other kind of life outside of there and they didn't see what my full full potential was which is why I created my show, Sons of Hollywood, took all my clients and left the company with all of our stuff because it was like, I didn't want to be there to fight. Like every, as an agent in a big place like that, basically you get your salary, you make like, you know, at that time it was making like $300,000 a year. And then you have to negotiate your bonus. And every year they fucked me on my bonus. And I'm like, listen, I'm not going to go and make this 300K and then go and make, uh, you know, millions of dollars for this company and then you're not going to give me a piece of it so why would i do that and that's why i went on my own and for my own company so you don't have to share with the people that take from you right right so um it's like being an employee versus having your own company kind well, of well the, the agency business is glamorous as it looks it's really just like you field phone calls you know like i i build careers like i create content i create tv shows i'm a partner with my with my clients it's a little bit different yeah an agency is like Hey, what do you got? We got a call. The, and then they call you and say, hey, we got this. But they try to make themselves look like the genius, like they got it. But it's an incoming call. Got it. So, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Okay, so um, so you get this show, The Sons of um, Hollywood. What was it? Yes. Yeah. Sons of Hollywood. And Well, I'm still at UTA, so I was a talent agent okay. there, and I created the show, and I never told them what I was doing, but I gave them a packaging fee on it. Okay. So they got the packaging fee. So my guys didn't have to pay commissions. I carved out my ownership in the show, carved out my place in the show, made the deal, and just waited to see. And then I went to New York. We did upfronts. They announced the show. The cat was out of the bag. A UTA went fucking crazy. They're like, you're starring in the fucking show, too. They, they couldn't figure out what it was. So I just kind of was like. Was that on E? 
That was on A&E. And so how many seasons did you do with that? We did 20 episodes of okay. it. So basically they did kind of like a double window where it aired throughout the year. Yeah. And it kind of felt like it was like, it was, it sort did of Did you felt- enjoy being a reality uh, star and filming it and kind of planning out the- the storylines, the bits and all that. Well, there was no planning going on. That was nine months of a straight documentary about three three best friends that moved into a house together and lived their lives together. And a lot of crazy shit happened. They shot us 24 hours a day. Um, JT Taylor, who did the Osbournes, Uh um, that was my physical producer, my co-creator of the show. And it was, uh, you know, Aaron Spelling died during the middle of the show. So like that was all documented. You know, Tori hadn't even been in a reality show at that time. We had the, we had the first reality show. We took you inside the Spelling Manor for the first time ever in the history of TV. Wow. Everybody wanted to see that, but you know, it, it was, it was groundbreaking at the time, but it was in a time that was like post Laguna Beach and the Hills and the Osbournes, but pre Kardashian. So I, I know that's that's a weird way to look at it, but we were trying to find our element of how a show would work. And there weren't sit down interviews in this show. So it was all narrated by me and Sean and Randy. And basically there weren't strong female characters in the show. It was about boys being boys. It was reality entourage and I think that like people saw it as like it was pretty wild. It was an aggressive show. And that's a show where Scott Disick moved to L.A. um, and met Courtney on the set of our show. And that's why I started managing him because their their show got picked up. So let me just tell you the conflicting stories of how Courtney and Scott met. Okay. Okay. So you said they met on on the set of your show. Yes. I have been told that – she was at Joe Francis's house with a group of people, maybe with Kimberly Stewart, and Scott was also there. That and was that's after, where they that met. That was after meeting at our house. Oh, so maybe that's that where the, maybe that's that where the romance. That was their first day. That's okay, where the that's romance, where the romance started. Okay, but the meeting was at the Sons of Hollywood house, and okay. then that because we all grew up together. Like I grew up with the Kardashians. He didn't. We, you know. He met him through us, through me and Sean. Who did? Scott. Oh, Scott. Yeah. So then Scott, okay, because I remember the I was there for the for the first episode of the Kardashians. They're like, will you come and film the anniversary party? Right. And the I finale. Was like, no, the was that the finale or the first? No, I feel like it was the first. Well, the episode. first episode was all really at the house with the barbecues and all the stuff that like Jeff Jenkins and Farnaz shot. I well the episode I was in I don't know if it was the first episode or the final episode first of the first season, season yeah but it was the first season and it was their sixteenth um, wedding anniversary party and Chloe gets like male strippers Ooh. and the little girls are spinning on the stripper pole which is in Chris's bedroom okay and um, so anyway so I, that was the first time and I had already like hung out with Courtney some. And I'm like, who is this guy that you're with? And that they were very into each other at the yeah, time. Yeah. And um, so then, and then, you know, then that was her dude until he wasn't. Yeah. So I mean, Scott really fucked that thing up. You know, he had it. He had it real good. I think he's pretty now, upset I, with himself. I do want to say like what I was just thinking about Scott Disick the other day. Like, what is he up to now? Because it's like then he had a couple very young girlfriends. Yeah. Like the Sophia Richie, yeah. you know, who's now married and. Some other girl. Oh, did he dated uh, Lisa Renna's daughter for a minute? Yeah. Um, and now I just feel like, what is he doing? Just doing those. He's uh, being a dad, and you know, being the lux- doing, doing the luxury doing, lines I'm, and stuff. I like, I mean, I guess follow I don't these, know. 20, the pl- tw- these twenty, these uh, twenty 
accounts to win a right. Louis Vuitton bag or whatever. The problem with Scott through the run of uh, my time managing him. Um, is now, how that, many years did you manage him for? Um, I managed him originally in the beginning, the first like two seasons of the show. Then we took a break and then he came back season So then eight, did you nego- negotiate his own fee? He 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 got his own fee starting second season of the show, and it was really low. Oh, and then we got it really high. So some of the bigger deals that he did, like toward the end, um, those are all stuff that we helped orchestrate. Okay. So then, why what why did you guys break up? Um, well, it had a lot to do with Chris not liking the fact that I was managing Ray J and Scott. So I had really too much information about both camps. And, you know, our, when you have like adjacent people that have such a history together, like Scott is his own, you know, charlatan of a human being too. So you have to remember he, the information that he gets and how that gets passed off and the information that Ray J has and how that gets passed off. And you have people having wars in the press and all this stuff. It was all kind of too interconnected, but at the end of the day, people go where the money is and i'm somebody that always brings the money so when you bring the money you're going to always have the clients so okay so um so you've been with you've been working with ray j for 17 years now you said and so obviously you're working with him when he was dating kim and we see in the post kim because because that that's like uh he he, he he the kim ray j relationship ended in uh around 2006 Oh, and then and then you and were, then yeah, and but, then but, start- but I we I, we see we all had separate relations. Like I knew Ray J originally because he was friends with Suge, so I know him from death row, and I know Kim separate from high school with that whole world. So we're all intertwined together, and then it's a connectivity of relationships that happen at different times. But but Scott and I and Ray J, like I had them together at the same time for a number of years, managing both of them. Well, one of the things that I thought was super interesting and kind of a great lesson for anybody is Ray J's friend, I think it was his friend or maybe it was you, that said um, when, so Kim was doing the closets and that's what I knew her. And and I remember I went to her condo in in West Hollywood because I was showing Courtney, I was a realtor, you know, I was showing Courtney places. (laughs) Where's the video of that? I want to see you selling houses. This is- I wasn't on the- New show alert, guys. New show Uh, alert, Heather takes real estate. (laughs) I was a realtor for a really long time and I let my license go once I got at Chelsea lately. I don't want to be a realtor anymore. (laughs) I do talk a lot about real estate and I interview a lot of realtors because I'm still into it. But anyway- So we go to look at some places in Kim's building, and that's the old one off Robertson. That one, yeah, like it was like her first place. Yeah, and um, and my husband actually was a mortgage broker at the time, so he like redid the loan for her. And then, but then we found the um, Calabasas place for Courtney. Mm -hmm. And I'm watching all this stuff about what a negotiator Chris is, Mm -hmm. and uh, Caitlin's talking about what a great negotiator she was and stuff. And she was. So I, I show Courtney this condo and it's like 800,000 or 850 or something in this cute area of Calabasas. And I only, I only showed her like maybe two days worth of stuff. And so she wants to make the offer. And, and I'm like, okay, great. You know, we'll get it going. And then Chris called me and she's like, hi, doll. So um, Courtney really loves the condo. I think it's a great place for her. I'm like, yeah. And she goes, but um, we're only willing to pay this much. And um, so I don't know how you could make that work. And I'm like, I just, I knew what she was getting at. And I'm like, well, I can take off a half a percent of commission. Would that yeah. work for you? And she's like, oh, that's great, doll. 
It's all I'm she like, wanted. So, but I'm like also. Did she really, ask you for a kickback too? No, 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 no. But it was, it was. I remember. I would have. I, I remember it was. <laughs> it was like most of the commission was only two and a half on the buyer yeah. side, and that particular one was already three percent. So I actually was like, okay with doing yeah. the two and a half. But also in my mind as a realtor, I'm like, you know what? Let someone feel like they got a little bit of a deal. I only showed her two days worth of stuff and I like her and I was like, who cares? But I also was like, you know what? Ask for the deal. Like, a like ask for the discount, ask for the deal. It doesn't matter how rich you get. I thought that was really smart. Why yeah. not? Yeah. Like why? You, got, you gotta be. That's that's how like, you that's, stay rich. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So I just, I, I respected her for it. I wasn't at all like bothered by it. I was like, no problem. Let's did do this you, deal. Did you do the deal? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And that was the con first Connie you see. And like they, you know, um, when she's with Scott and Chloe lives there and all that type of stuff. Right. And at that time, she didn't have the the TV show. Yeah. She was like. She didn't really want, Courtney didn't really want to do the show. I mean, originally, it you know, it was it was really Chris and Kim's thing that they put together with Ryan and Buna Murray. And then everybody kind of got dragged into it. When I first went out to lunch with them for the very first time, I went to the smooch store, the baby store. Mm -hmm. And then we all went out to lunch and I had my son who's now almost 18. He was like in a stroller. Wow. And we go out to lunch and I'm like, I hope this doesn't bother you, but I got to ask about OJ. And yeah. it was, it was Courtney <laughs> and Chris and they were, I thought they would be totally grossed out that I asked yeah. and they weren't. And they like really told me all about it. And I was like, what was it like, Courtney? What was, and she's like, well, we, she goes, we kind of took our dad's side because we felt like nobody was taking his side. So Courtney and Kim were kind of like, so bizarre. you know, because they felt so weird, like going in between. <laughs> yeah. And anyway, so I, and then when I was talking to her, she was like, and then I realized, wait, you've been on that cattle show. Cattle. Yeah. What was that called? Cattle. Filthy Rich Cattle Drive. Courtney Semmel was on that. Yeah. And she told me how it happened. She goes, Gassano. I was with my other friend, Courtney. Yeah. And she was like, oh, well, you were like, they were literally like in the car together. And she's like, I have to stop by this thing, this casting. And she went and she was like, I mean, literally every single one of my friends, it's their dream to be on a reality show. But I don't, didn't even want to do it. But she went with her. And kind of got talked into it. And yeah. she's like, oh, my God, it was awful. We couldn't have our phones. And I hated it. Whatever. Then. So then we we start hanging out, going to some things, whatever. We're like friends. You and Chris or you Chris and. Chris and the girls. Yeah. Like, because I was like, I'm my age. I'm like literally in, in between, I'm in yeah. between yeah. Chris yeah, yeah. and the girls. And I really thought they were like really fun and interesting to talk to. So we go out for another lunch that my baby is at. And, and Chris goes, I have the most exciting news. Uh, Kim was out with Paris and they started film. They were filming something for the simple life and they didn't know if Paris's chihuahua was pregnant. And Kim goes, well, let's have it pee on a pregnancy test. And the producers found it think, so amazing. And Paris said to Kim, Kim, I want you to be my new best friend and on the show. And I remember I was like, oh, I thought she wanted to be like, um, like a TV host or fashion person. She wanted like she wanted like, wild on. That's what she wanted. Yeah, like, well, remember, I, remember I wild on. Yeah, I do yeah. remember wild. But I remember I was a little bit surprised. I'm like, oh, I didn't even know she had any aspirations to be like an actress or anything because yeah. she was like into this clothing store and like doing the closet thing. And right. so then, um, but then of and then of course the the deal 
kind of came about and it came about the same summer that I started at Chelsea Lately. She's like, we, like I had already started Chelsea Lately and she came to my house for my birthday party with um, uh, Bruce at the time, which he said, it's okay to say that. So it was Bruce and and um, Chris and Chloe and Courtney. They all came to like my house in Woodland Hills. It's a little birthday party for like my 36th or 7th birthday or something. And She's like, yeah, we got the show. And I go, what network? And she goes, E. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm starting a show on E2. And then we couldn't get any guests for the show. Yeah. And the the EP was like, um, oh, my God, like, do you know anybody? And I'm like calling Jennifer Coolidge and I'm calling Marlon. And he's like, I've got nothing to promote. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I know this is weird, but I know the woman who's married to Bruce Jenner. And they're supposed right. to have some show that's coming out. Yeah. And so I like text her and I'm like, is there any way? And I'm like, but I know like we got to have her on too. Yeah. And I go. And so that day, literally like within two hours, they came and the show was like going to happen, but I don't even think it was. For, and they were like, we're and he did these, these jokes about like, well, I'm, I'm with these girls that are about to get their period, the little girls. And then I'm with a woman who's going through menopause and I'm stuck in the middle of all <laughs> these God. ladies. Like that was the joke. This is, and so this then, is a legendary show. I got to see this thing. Yeah. And so, and then Chelsea, we did this stupid sketch where Chelsea like raced him in the parking lot yeah. afterwards. And they were both on it. It was like funny. And like, I like saved the day because they like, didn't know it was like the first week. And That's so crazy. I want to even say like, maybe the writer's strike may have begun or maybe it had, I don't know. But it was like, and then, so then every time they came on the show, like then I'd see them, I'd be invited to the parties. And, you know, I always made sure that there wasn't a mean sketch about them. Right. You know, because they could take the jokes, but never mean, always, you know. Yeah supportive and fun and that's, so that's wild that's so a lot I wanna, of craziness i want to get into on the show mm -hmm. it's interesting because you and joe francis kind of conflict in your recollection of how the sex tape got done well listen joe is a very nice guy and he was a, definitely a groundbreaking producer and exploiter um and he did very well but he's off the deep end and his recollection is wrong and um we have all the receipts, Ray J and I, to like what happened. And, you know, it's okay for him to put the narrative out there because he believes that that's what he wants to put out there because maybe Chris and them will be happy with him for doing that. I mean, basically, but, but, he's, but, go ahead. But, but listen, if you see what he said, you can't say anything is leaked when you're talking about contracts being signed. There was never a contract signed ever in a Joe Francis office. Every contract that was ever signed happened in Steve Hirsch's office. Who and owned Vivid. Period. So it's okay. You can like, you can, you can eat the bullet, go for it. It's all good. The, the big thing and the reason why Ray spoke out last year and why we, you know, why even I was even really willing to be a part of it is there comes a point where you can't keep re doing recycling the same narrative and the same kind of like, ooh, this is the story and this is what we fooled the world with. Because when you when you when everybody's got to play their part, which everybody did, Kim played a part, Chris played a part, Ray played a part, tapes came out, money was made, TV shows were launched, millions and millions of dollars were made. Everybody's playing a different role. If you continue to use that role, but then the role gets a little bit more negative and it's hurting other people's businesses and their livelihoods and their children and their wives and everything, there comes a point where we got to say, hey, 
enough's enough. Just because you sat on Oprah's couch and like cried and said it was leaked and then now you're gonna have to eat that you lied about that, it's a different story, okay? People did a lot of different things early on in their careers that they're not gonna do today in their careers. So you have to remember, this is all a marketing game. This was a game to create content, to create businesses, to create TV shows, and to most of all, make money and make stars. And that is what you have the product of here today. So if there's conflictions going on, I know what I've lived through with my side and with Ray, and I know what they lived through on their side. And you know, this is just finally a time that people are saying, hey, there's a little bit more to it than what you actually have pushed out there. And Hulu, you know, by the way, all love to Hulu, but the way the Hulu producers did the launch of the new show because they were, you know, second fiddle to the real first hit is that they they all they had to do, all they all they could figure out because they had no original ideas, was to redo the same fucking storyline, but they did it in a way that was ed the sex edited and cut in not a friendly way to Ray. Ray is my brother, and I will always protect him, and we've lived through so many incredible things in our business and our friendship that, like, I got to protect my guy. So what we saw in the opening, which I thought was really interesting, that, like, the E! show started with the, with the sex tape, and then 17 years later, whatever the hell it is, we're seeing the Hulu show. And it it's, ain't nothing new. And like, it's about the, the sex tape. Yeah, it's, and, it's kind of embarrassing for those producers. And then, and th so what was the story with Kanye coming in with a suitcase and like, here's the extra tapes? What was that well, about? Well, well, so so let's, let's, if we're really going to talk about this and really get into this kind of stuff, you got to understand, okay? Um, communication as much as you may think that like people didn't talk to each other, there still was communication between Ray and Kim way back when. And then there was communication, obviously, when this stuff broke between them now. And we have all the receipts of that as well. But Kanye started to really when he in a, in a, in a world of desperation where he was really trying to save his family, save his relationship. He reached out to Ray and felt that he had to fix the relationship with Ray himself to then get that to be the saving grace to prove to his family that like I did this thing. But the thing is the content and the briefcase, that was all stuff that she already had. Like the stuff that was given on that drive. This is all stuff that like Steve Hirsch and like it was background stuff that was used in the, uh, in the, in the actual DVD. So it wasn't like, Oh my God, there's another sex tape that exists and blah, blah, blah. It was blah, just blah. extra footage. The, there is another sex tape that exists and, and the other sex, tape that exists ray doesn't have it kim has it so when you're going it exists he has it that's not true mm -hmm. you know there there you know I, I we can't go into like every single thing but like they they sh the 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 the, the tape that got distributed was from a real trip that they went on where right. they basically you know, that was real content that they thought became of value. And when they saw that there was a deal to be made, they actually went and shot another trip and another trip of content that was almost too pornographic and that didn't get released. Got it. So 
I mean, I don't. I, I mean, I don't. I, I don't feel like we're breaking. I feel like everyone, I don't think we're breaking. I don't yeah, think. So, I think. I don't think we're breaking anything. Because like, I think, like people, you guys need to read between the lines. Everybody doesn't read between the lines. You all think that somebody crying on Oprah means that whatever they're saying there is actually true. The, you, when you're signing contracts, Joe Francis says contracts are signed. You can't say something was leaked. It's impossible. The lawsuit was fake. Like that lawsuit was only done where they sued Vivid was just to be done to be done. It's not a real thing. Like, why do you think it got dropped? It was like it's a, it's so, an and, exercise. And in that it was like it's an exercise it was to, to show like the um, outrage kind of like my we're recollection suing you. of what that suing was, was that that was an exercise to say to the community that we're mad and we're doing this. Right. And but outrage, yeah. when we settle it, then the money can flow. So, I mean, I. I don't think anyone. For both sides. Yeah. Like this was big money for Ray. This was big money for them. And I don't think, and the thing is that I think it's fine that we talk about it and everything because it was always so confusing and I've heard it from Joe Francis's side, off the record, mm -hmm. on the record. I'm hearing it from you. Joe doesn't I'm do anything off the out. record. <laughs> well, he's, he's told me some things that, he, that has not been shared. Joe, there. come to the United States and let's have a conversation. Well, let's he, sit down and yeah. we'll bring Ray. We'll bring Kim. We'll also, sit down. We'll have a forum like, and we'll tell the real story. But I mean, I you're also, not allowed in the United States. I also feel that people definitely don't care. Like if even if she did do all this, the, I don't the, think the, it's the, not going to make them not buy the skims. You know, he, it just he, doesn't he, matter. Here's what it does. Honestly, um. You have like the Anna Winters and the Oprahs and, you know, the big female strong media figures, which obviously Chris and Kim have become in their own right. You have to be careful what you've said 17 years ago to get to that place. And then it now comes back up now because you got to be careful how you jab the other guy. Because the other guy at a certain point is only going to take like, you know, so many years of abuse and like having to live through the ringer. And some of the stuff that they said in the show was really troubling for Ray. I mean, I, I mean, totally I mean, agree. I mean, I mean I, Ray I, went off the deep end. I mean, Ray called me. Which show? Ray the Ray Hulu called, or the first? The Hulu. Okay. The Hulu. No, the first one, everybody was on the same. They knew. Yeah. Ray had his show. Ray had the number one show on VH1. They had the number one show on E. They were popping. Checks yeah. were coming in. Albums were on the radio. I mean, they were doing it. The thing is now, you have a guy who's married. He has a wife. He has two children. He has a board of directors on an electronics company that's worth a couple hundred million dollars that he has to answer to. We have we have our own networks that we have to answer to. We have shows on multiple networks. We have people that that expect certain things from us. It can hurt the businesses. So you have to at certain point do something. He was very depressed. I mean, I, I, I felt as though Ray J was really, really upset this time. It was not the same kind of like shake it off. I hit it first guy. It was uh this is really hurting my home. This is really hurting my mind. It's not fair that a corporation the size of Hulu and a family that's already got so much money that they're going to go and let this happen again. But I, I can't I'm not going to place blame on Kim and Chris and them. that's not who did it. It's the these dodgy producers that make the show that like this is all they could think of because they're just glad to be in the seat. They have seconds on the Kardashian show. That's it. I mean, I. I totally see it for what it is. And it's it is sad that somebody will just choose, you know, one episode of a, a, t a TV show or a podcast or whatever and use someone for content and not 
realize or realize that you are jeopardizing someone's whole reputation, which all of our businesses is our reputation. We all are ourselves. And so it's like, I totally see why that would be really upsetting to him. And, you know, I think, I think what I thought was really interesting is when I saw the SNL monologue. I was going to tell you about what, how that day happened. So, well, okay. Let me just first just say what I thought was so interesting is when I worked as a writer producer on Chelsea lately, no matter what the topic was for Kardashians and we'd have other comedians come on. I didn't ever, I never prepped the other comics. That was someone else's job. I'd, I'd write her jokes and mine or whatever. And, um, but the producers would say, Right away, if there's a Kardashian topic, you cannot make a joke about the sex tape. No reference to the sex tape, no reference to Ray J, no nothing. That can never be part of your punchline about the fact that she bought a pair of jeans or whatever the stupid story was. And that was a direct, you know, order from Lisa Burger. That was really the only thing, (laughs) the only real rule we had to follow from E. Everything else we could say or do, they were never at our studio they were never telling us don't do this don't do that that was just the one thing and we always respected it so i thought it was really interesting that when she goes to do the snl sketch she's telling on herself she's joking about she the, has the no sex choice tape. there she's on a sex, re- sex that's tape. a that's a real place i mean obviously when you're finally doing snl like you're you're with the legends you've now re you've now crossed over even more into right. the zeitgeist of actual a-list celebrity yeah so you're gonna have to do this stuff that like there is no boundary there um what's interesting about that time is that that is the weekend that they that that ray and kanye met um and it was a lot of build up to the meeting because you know ray was gonna do it and and you know kanye wanted to film it and take pictures and do a whole kind of publicity stunt with it and all this stuff and ray said absolutely not they met very early in the morning kanye came he flew in he flew on he flew commercial uh i think in like a coach seat actually because it was like a like the meeting had happened at a certain time he wanted to come back to new york and be the savior and ray they met at the private terminal at uh lax and they spent you know, four hours together, kind of just, you know, being together and looking at some of the content and looking at what really existed. And, and uh, Ray did give him some content. And but but the whole goal of that thing is that was to be a private matter. It wasn't to be a, okay, this is now going to be in the Hulu show. And Kanye is the savior. And I came in SNL. And and here's the thing. And I got it. And then I'm going to destroy Ray's life with by doing that. No, that's not what the agreement was. And um he, so Ray didn't know that till he saw the episode. Absolutely. I mean, we 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 got wind of it probably like three weeks before the show came out, and it just started to irk him a little bit because it was it was a lot of um it was a lot of oh, we know where this is going and like why are they doing it again? Because at the same time, like he was dealing with the board of directors of his company, Raycon, and they were about to have a huge, huge, huge sale. And what happened that week affected a major part of the uh, price of the company. And it was a big deal. So it was kind of timing on a, on a lot of things that were happening. And then when it came out, it was just so ridiculous how they cut it. And it was just not factual because they agreed that this was going to be a private matter and that it was never really going to be talked about. But once Kanye goes off the rails and did that, we had no choice. You know, subsequently now, though, what's funny is that, um, you know, Ray and Kanye have really squashed their whole whatever back and forth. And and there, you know, there is an open dialogue. They spent time together. They've flown together. They've gone places. What's together. your opinion of Kanye walking around Italy with this legal wife or not legal wife where where she's just in, you know, nude nylons walking around Italy 
What do you think it's is going some, on there? Some bizarre, artistic, weird, controlling movement of whatever he thinks is like how he wants his image to be. I mean, listen. I mean, he changes his image. When you think about it, he changes his image so much. Yeah. Like first it was, you know, I'm this fashionista. Yeah. Then it's like, remember when they did the video where she's like on the motorcycle, like, right. like oh, that all stuff. Then yeah. he becomes a super Christian. Yeah. Um, I guess to have his own church, you mm -hmm. know, which is the ultimate write-off, right? right? Or you don't pay, not write-off, you don't pay taxes. And um, and then they have that moment where he's like, I think your dress is too sexy to, for the Met. And that was on the Kardashian show. And she's like, go on your Christian journey, but like, you can't tell me this the night before. I'm wearing right. the wet dress or whatever. Then now he has his new wife, like with her tits out in like a sheer thing. So I, I'm like, you know, and then all his weird rants along the way. Yeah, it's a, it's a wild. It's, it's a bizarre. A wild, it's a bizarre thing. And celebrity and power and money and all of the things and the journey um, is an evolution of your brain, and it, you it doesn't affect everybody the same way. I mean, you know, what I notice with a lot of celebrities and stars that I work with, and it it, it really you know, people start to think that they are the president of the United States and like everything in the world actually functions around them. Certain stars do. Certain stars okay. do, yeah. And it's it's like, sometimes you gotta bring them a little bit down to earth so that you realize that it's, you know, you, not everything has to do with you. You know, it's a little bit of, of an ego thing too. And I think that he just, he they went so hard on him in the press. He went so hard back that like it is, it is traumatic on your brain that it completely changes who you are. So you're dealing with this post, you know, ran through the Kardashians, Kanye West, who's still trying to get his image and his life back on after being through so much. I mean, do you have any prediction or insight of what you think he is trying to accomplish? Is he gonna come back to he music need, or he like he, weird he, shoes? He's always gonna do music. He's always gonna do fashion. He's always gonna get, he's rich. He's going to do what he does in just different ways. He doesn't have to prove any anything to anyone. He's Kanye West is a genius. I mean, he's one of the most outspoken creative artists of all time, but he's he's got his own issues too, but that's sort of the beauty of like who he is at the same time. It just doesn't people don't some there's people in the world that don't like it. Like they just can't deal with it. They want to talk shit about him and you know and I think that's how we got. What do you think about this? The stories of how they like supposedly the wife can't speak and she has to eat certain things. And I haven't heard any of that, but what? what I think that? I personally think that's she's. Hilarious. I personally think she's in on it. First, I thought, oh my of course god, she's in I, on I'm it. like, first I thought, <laughs> yeah. like, if I, this was my best friend or sister, I'd be so concerned. Yeah. And the articles are coming out, like, oh my god, people are concerned, and who knows if it's even true, right? Yeah. And, and I'm like, listen, hopefully she's calling up her girlfriends being like, I have the, I'm creating my own nylons, you know, cause that's the only thing he allows her to wear. It's a business like, for I'm the, thinking, okay. Hopefully it's yeah. something that, then I'm like, well, if she really is the wife, now they're saying they are legally married, then something happens to him. She really holds the bag. And her dad is like some mafia king in Australia. Wow. So I'm like, I don't think she's some dumb, dumb, you know, walking around that he picked up. That's like looking at him like, he's, they're, they're, you know, they're off having a good time. Let him live. I, I mean, yeah. Let him live. I mean, do you think it's like detrimental? She's going to be hurt. Like, it's like, no, I don't, she's not yeah, kidnapped. I'm, they're I'm, living the good life. I don't. I'm not worried about her anymore. I actually think she 
there's some it'll be interesting you, to you, i actually think she's like she might be in on it to a level he doesn't know that she's in on it is now I'm genius thinking. marketers yeah genius marketers i mean we keep talking about him <laughs> Kim and chris ray j kanye west genius marketers yeah so what's some like fun memories you have you know the the timing of a lot of the breakouts in non-scripted TV, like Paris and Nicole, the Jenners, the Stewarts, the Spellings, the Kardashians, into the hills, into Laguna Beach. You know, there there was that interesting circle that everybody. I was telling you, everybody knew each other. We all grew up in the same worlds. We all knew each other, and everybody wound up having their own shows and kind of creating this movement of the new pop culture pre-influencer. And I think a lot of influencers came from the desire to want to be a part of those shows. Yes. And, and, and influencers today, and I manage a lot of really powerful influencers, and they are the richest, most powerful new celebrities in the game. And uh, they're a lot of fun to work with, and they print money, and they have opportunity like no other because it's all based on an analytic. So you can get your money very easily based on like what your likes and comments and all that good stuff are, which we can talk about later with the Hollywood Handbook. Mm -hmm. um, but when I had sold Sons of Hollywood – we knew what we had shot and we didn't know if it was going to be a big giant hit or what it was going to be. And um, we were preparing for Daughters of Hollywood and Daughters of Hollywood was a cast that we had put together and it was going to be Kim, um, Kim Stewart, Kim Kardashian, Kim Stewart and Courtney Semmel. So that was the cast. And and Courtney is really the one. Courtney. Courtney Semmel. Yeah. Is really the one that organized that whole group together to uh to bring me the cast I, I wanted Courtney to be like the centerpiece of it and she's like I'm like the two people that I should do it with I'll do it with Kim and I'll do it with uh Kim Stewart with Kim Kardashian and Kim Stewart and that's the show that we ultimately put together Chris brought Kim to a meeting Chris came they sat down they agreed to do the show and had that show been a hit they probably would have did that one first but obviously the Kardashian show came and uh took that oh Oh, I think you said that on the House of Kardashians, right? Or I don't know if we talked about that because uh, because they were looking for a show. Oh no, it was the other in one of the episodes. Yeah. There was it was someone's lawyer. It was a lawyer that said I had this whole deal done for. Oh, it was when they talk about Black China and Rob. Mm -hmm. Kind of a similar story. Is that in the third Rob, hour? I haven't seen. Maybe it. yeah. So Rob and Black China, and Black China had this attorney. And the attorney's being interviewed in the- in Who's the, in it, Walter? He's a good-looking young black guy. Yeah, that's Walter, okay. yeah. So, he, so he's being interviewed in it. He was Black China's attorney. Yeah. And Rob calls him and is like, Black China and I are together. We want to do our own show. So he does a whole show and sells it to like another network because I guess Rob wasn't under uh, and mm -hmm. on any contract because he was not been in the show for years. Yeah. And then he said, and then Chris, you know, I guess got wind of it and the whole deal fell apart. And then it was going to be at E. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's kind of interesting. And then the whole deal with them, um, you know, what happened when Black China felt that they intercepted their show. And, yeah. and then that whole big lawsuit happened in which the Kardashians prevailed. Yeah. And now it seems like they're kind of getting along. Which is nice they, they because of the they daughter. Have, they have yeah. kids. I mean, it's like yeah. you, you can't live in litigation with your baby mamas and the whole thing. It's, it's right. It's a, 
it's sad, you know, and, and, and what do they expect? They made choices to all be like intertwined with each other. This is what you're going to get, you know? Yeah. And it's very hard to, 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 to beat a, a, a defamation case anyways. So right. that was going to be a tough one anyways. I'm really surprised. I am kind of surprised that they're, con- that they continue with the show. I guess they continue with the show, the Kardashians. The well, Hulu you know who show. it's for. It's not for Kim. It's for everybody else. Because they got to have a vehicle because everybody still needs to see. Like, like I think that Kim is completely tuned out of the show. It's really there for for Chloe, for Courtney, for Chris. Kylie's never been. Kylie hasn't been into it for for a few years. They, they don't. They don't need to do it. But they don't need to. But you got to keep. You got to push it till the wheels fall off. I th- yeah. I think it's that Chris doesn't want to give up the workingness of it, the yeah. relevancy. Because what I hear from a lot of like Real Housewives that I you know that I know and I'm friendly with, when they do get let go, yeah, it's like. Wait a minute! It's September. Where are all the? Where's the crew? Why are they in my kit? Right. Why are they in my kitchen? It's like, it's like the first year you get out of college and you don't have a job, and yeah. it's like, where's my routine? Where's my friends? Where's my? And so I think, you know, that was just so weird when they do this big moment where they're crying to Brett and Murray, we're not going to do the show anymore when they already had a deal done, you know. And and I think <laughs> it's so weird that it's with James Corden's production company. Yeah. And like, what happened? Like, or it's not weird. I don't know. And then, and then, um, is you that know, who produces the show? I don't. Yeah, he's like a producer on yeah, it. I mean, I know, I know some and, of the, I know some of the the, the handlers that do the day to day there, and, and they're no geniuses by any means. But I mean, I just think, and I was like, I was really surprised. I wasn't surprised that it ended. I was surprised that they picked up somewhere else because I was like, well, they went for the money. I mean, the new deal was going to be because because you're capped at E. Right. So you're capped. I mean, you've been, you know, I've done a million deals with E. You know E. E is a great place to be um, at that time. Yeah. Today, that is not a great place to be. There's, there's, there's the, you know, the advertising is down. Everything is down. So they, they can't do it. So being part of the Disney family, that completely jumped it up. They got to hit one more lick, one more big couple hundred, you know, couple hundred million, 200 million out of another network, do another couple seasons, and then they'll be off to the next one. One thing that Chris always said early on is like season 20, which I think they've already hit season 20, mm-hmm. uh, Kylie gets married. She always said that. And I swear to God, I think she was like, we're going to do this until Kendall or Kylie get married and we like finish it with a bang on a wedding. Right. I don't know. But, and who knows that that'll ever happen because I think the girls are like on a on a path of like, you know, we're never going to get married. I don't, we don't want to get married. Why yeah. would we or whatever, which I understand. But I think that, um, I guess I just thought like, you have all the businesses, you have all the money. Why do you, why keep doing this show? But they do control the show. And I guess even though, I feel like they're not getting the stories about them right now the way yeah. they used to. And the sh- and whatever people are watching, we already saw happen on Instagram months before. So it's different than the way it was on the e-show. Um, I guess it is a matter of just keeping working right. and being relevant. And-, and 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 funny enough, I mean, I, I think that this this documentary that we're in was extremely well done. Um, I think that they did a great job producing yeah. and cutting it. It felt a lot like, you know, like succession. 
And I think that they told the story very fairly. There's no, there's nothing negative in it. It's, it, this is not a negative story. This is a story of the American dream. This is a story of people setting out to go accomplish goals and creating brands and businesses and an empire. And people did it. And you literally are seeing it happen in like broken down how it happened. Um, they're, they're, they should be, they should be proud of it. You know? I mean, yeah, I mean, that's what I, think I, Caitlin was completely fair in it too. Totally. And that's why, I mean, I've interviewed Caitlin, um, for my show and, um, I was always just really fascinated and Chris, and I was always very fascinated, you know, by the journey. And I think that's why my whole part was kind of talking about that. Yeah. And I mean, I was happy to see it cause I'm like, no, there's nothing negative that I, that I said, and it's just the facts. No, I don't think. And don't it was so. like, you spoke very eloquently. And I, and one thing I said that they didn't use was I was always like any, anybody that's making money off of TikTok, Instagram, whatever has to thank the Kardashians because they were the first people to make that. And I remember just when Twitter was popping, right. When it was, and she like came to my comedy show, Kim, and was like, Oh my God, embarrassing. You know, at Heather McDonald is, um, doing an impression of all of us or whatever. Right. And, you know, and I'm like, all of a sudden I'm like, what is going on with my Twitter? You yeah. know, like, like seeing how powerful it is. And then there would be times where people would be like, Oh, Kim, can you just tweet this about this? And she was doing it at first. And then I remember the day where, no, like I cannot do that anymore. Cause I get paid. I get paid and I can't, yeah. you know, it's just like anything. It's like, T taking a photo with one person at the restaurant and I got to take with everybody if right. you're a famous person, whatever. And I like respected it and then making it such a profitable, making it a way of like the importance of it. And, but I remember how she'd be like, like when I was at the, st the store, um, the dash store, like had Courtney's like signing her loan docs or whatever I had there. And, and Somehow, we're, and it was like summer or whatever, but I, I said, oh, well, you know, the best Halloween costume ever, the most flattering has to be Wonder Woman. And she goes, oh, and she opens the sidekick. That's how long ago it was. Yeah. And she like puts a note in there. And sure enough, the next, that, that fall, she's Wonder Woman. And, you know, she looked amazing in the outfit and like she's on the red carpet and all that kind of stuff. And so I think like I, I was impressed with that. She was always there, always like thinking in a smart way, like being and also really organized. Yeah. They were all super yeah. organized and, and, and neat. And, and Ray, Ray is the same way. Yeah. And I think that's why it was so amazing when you put Ray and Kim together that they were like, Ooh, but what gonna, I wanted to say, what, what a, a cool part in yeah. the doc was when Ray and Kim are boyfriend and girlfriend yeah. and Kim's organizing the closets. And when I went to her condo that day, you know, she she's she's like, oh, I sell this stuff um, on the Internet. I buy the hot items mm -hmm. and then nobody can get this hot designer item and then I sell it. And I was like, what? Like, I didn't, you know, she had to do it on the camera and put it yeah. on the computer. And I was like, how do you do this? Like, all the things that is like basically That's eBay a, yeah. and stuff yeah. like she was doing before anyone's doing it. And the kids are it. doing this now. Yeah. And I mean, so, and I'm seeing her closet and it's all like, you know, organized. But it was just a, it was just a two bedroom condo yeah. in a building. And so, um, but in the show, then she goes, I'm going to. I met Paris and she wants to help me. She wants me to organize her closet. And if you've seen the Paris docs, Paris doesn't have the Kris Jenner organized gene no. that all the girls have. She's yeah. kind like she of like a me, like a mess. Yeah. yeah, shit everywhere. Like I can relate more to Paris <laughs> yeah. than the girls. Yeah. And Ray says, and I think you tell the story, Ray says, 
borrow my Bentley, show up in the Bentley. She has a Bentley. Let her know that you, how did you say it? That let her know that you don't need this job, but you're happy to do it. And she'll see you on a different level. And, well, they're, they're, and Kim is very likable. So I can see why she makes good friendships, you know, and they well, made a real friendship. There's an old statement out there. And um, I think a lot of people know, and I know, I know Disick knows this real well, but Kim too. Fake it till you make it. You took, you got to remember that Kim worked for Brandy, Ray J's sister, oh, that's was her right. assistant. That's how she met Ray J, right? Ray J and Brandy. Did she, wait, was she dating Ray J first or working for Brandy first? She's working for Brandy. Oh. And then Ray snatched her. Okay. So you have to remember, they were a big monster celebrity family at that time. They had big, huge TV show, huge touring business, huge hit songs. Ray was popping. So Ray and her, you know, Ray had the Bentley. He's like, take it, go up there, you know, have the look. I remember. That's the fake it till you make it. Yeah. And I definitely remember they were definitely, there's, they're all really charming. And and I remember that was the the first time I was like, um, I kind of was like, yeah, well, you should try to be friends with, <laughs> like, I kind of right. saw it and be like, right. oh, she always tries to be friends with the richest, most successful person in the room. And she succeeds because <laughs> she is a, a delightful person, Chris, and she is interesting and she yeah. throws nice parties and you want to go. And then you go to the party and you meet other interesting, fun, nice people. So it's like, was really great. But I do remember one time being at one of those lunches and her saying, and then Courtney met da, 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 this, this friend and their friends and they have a jet. And I said, that's my girl. And I was like, I never had even met someone that had a jet and that, then you know, trying to try to, you know, not see if I can be friends with someone with the jet. Right. So the fact that she is now besties with Lauren Sanchez, when Lauren Sanchez was around for the last 20 years <laughs> and was friends with Jillian Barbary yeah. and Chris, yeah. the way I know Chris is Jillian Barbary was doing skating with celebrities and Bruce was doing skating with celebrities and I was Jillian's uh, guest. Okay. And then we all meet and Chris and I look, look over, I'm like, who is this dark haired, gorgeous family, you know, watching? Oh, that's, you know, Bruce's family. We all meet and she's like, come over to our house to watch the premiere of the skating with celebrities. So I go over there and then Kylie is like on this, the intercom, like this is how old the house was. There's those intercoms. And I was like, come up to the billiard room, please. We have a show. Kendall and I have a show. And we go up there and Kylie is like eight and she has this outfit on this, like a, like a, a Halloween chic outfit, like a genie. And she's doing the hips don't lie Shakira dance really good. Like really dancing pretty good. And I'm like, this is so cute. And Bruce is like, oh, I think that's enough. And he just yeah. picks her up. And it, <laughs> and it was those type of stories that I was like, Chris, like that is so funny when you do your show, like that has to be featured, you know, like something about how Kylie was like really kind of, they, they were into it, especially Kylie. Kylie had like, was like the funny little one. And so, um, yeah, I think that's just, it's just interesting when I look back at how like, you know, okay. Oh, so that, so anyway, I'm saying there were lots of opportunities to be friends with Lauren Sanchez back yeah, then. Right. You know, and she didn't have all the other side of it. Then. But now I'm like, but now they, I can see why they are friends. You know, she's marrying. Jeff's having a good Jeff time with Be her. Bezos, Jeff. And they're on the same level and billionaires want to be friends with billionaires. Right, exactly. And they want to date billionaires, ex-wives. Right. And all of it. It's like. It's a small circle. Yeah. It's, it's always been that way. 
I yeah. Mean, it, it's it's just a crazy world. This whole community of this next generation, because this is kind of like, I guess you would say the new money generation. Yeah. You know, they're all intertwined with each other. Yeah. And they're all going to the same events, being seen together, dinners, all that stuff. But God bless them. Like, it doesn't matter. Enjoy your life. You've worked you, hard. You have a lot of Everyone's worked now. hard for it. Yeah. Let's go get it. We're, you know, we still want to work and make it happen. Yeah. You know? But I mean, yeah, I think it's great. I'm like, you guys should be best friends. You should absolutely be on each other's yachts and each other's planes <laughs> and talk, you know, being around the people that you know and like making deals. Right. Right at dinner. Right. And, and one meeting, done. You wanted this at Get Amazon? It, done. It. Here it is. Like, done, done. So now, did you and Scott, are you still friendly? Um, I mean, Scott and I, you know, we see each other, but I, it's it's hard for me. I, see, the problem with Scott is I, I love Scott as a person. I know he's been through a lot and I just know him too, too well. I know his MO. I know his um, his way of thinking. I know how he speaks about people. I know his uh, bad habits. I know where all the bodies are buried with him. So for someone who really his entire um livelihood and everything he's done was kind of, you know, contributed to relationships that, you know, myself and Sean Stewart had and doors that were opened by us to him and have not really any type of gratitude or grateful graciousness. And then to fuck people over on deals and do stuff like that. It's just bad business. And listen, I've been in the game a really long time. You know, I don't play with how that stuff happens. We do hold a grudge about stuff. And I did a lot of deals for him that he screwed over me and my company. And mm. he's a very bad business guy. I walked this. I had a lot of he, like we had, you know, he was actually it's funny. He was actually greenlit to be the uh, the host of the reboot of Lifestyles and the Rich and Famous for E. He would have been great. I had a big mega deal for him. Uh, and he's his own worst enemy because mm -hmm. we had the deal episodes about to shoot. And he just like he the way he treats people and treats networks and people's time and stuff like that. He could have had such the best show in the world, the easiest way takeover. And he screws it up. And then you don't realize how much work people put in to go get something for you or the stuff that you that, you know, as a manager and as a producer, we have to eat a lot of shit for people that do stuff in a bad way that create bad stuff for not only their relationships with buyers, but my relationship with so buyers. So you had a whole thing going and they were we like had a lot down. Of things and going. then he did a few, he did enough things that made them go, mm, Yeah, so, no. he, so he killed- And did he that happen before or after he did his one season of the Scott- Before. Three does a house. Before. And then were you part before. of Scott doing a house? No, I wouldn't be a part of some garbage like that. that was I mean, it, it, your idea is much better and much better suited because the thing about Scott that is, is when, <laughs> I, 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 when I, he's on, he yeah. is funny. Yeah, but you got to be- And the pompousness you is got, funny. You got to like, be on. Yeah. See, the, the other thing with him too is like- That would have been you, good. Okay, listen, you have three beautiful children. You have a great girlfriend. You're now all super famous. You're printing money. You're doing your thing. I think that he knows how badly he fucked that up. And now he has to live and watch that relationship and watch her get married and watch this have happy a baby. ending and you're not part of it. Then you should have really thought about it. But at the same time, Courtney, you should have thought about who you brought in your life because you brought in this guy in your life who's really out of his fucking mind. And that's what it'll be. And I'll challenge him any fucking day of the week to come and challenge anything that we're saying. Like this, this guy moved to LA. I didn't want him in Sons of Hollywood. That was my show. 
I created that show. I produced that show. I started. So that he show. was just he was featured he just, on camera a little bit. No, he moved to L.A. to to insert himself into the show. But insert who, himself. Who into did he know first? Sean. Oh, Sean. So Sean, Sean Stewart, Sean Stewart, okay. Sean Stewart and him. Sean met met Scott like, you know, and Sean's Sean's my brother, but Sean's like a little over the top and lost too. he met Scott. And are Sean and Kimberly Stewart, were they from the same uh, mother? Yes. Alana. Oh, OK. Yeah. And what's Kimberly Stewart doing now? Um, I have no idea. Okay. Like living at her dad's. Not, I mean, Kimberly's another one who like we, I managed Kimberly for many years. She's another one who had tons of opportunities, but her attitude and the way that she dealt with people, she screwed shit up. We had multiple TV shows. I, you want to hear a really funny story? This is a good one. Okay. So there's a lot of rivalry between a lot of these families and, and the Kardashians before they made it. They were really black sheeps in a, in a lot of ways. Okay, they were like outsiders, and they were made fun of by Paris, by the Stewarts, by a lot of people. Everybody was all friends, but there was a degree that they were semi made fun of because of being involved in the O.J. Simpson stuff and the thirstiness, and like they, you know, they all they 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 hooked up with a lot. Like it was everybody was all slutty back then, the guys and the girls. But like they were notorious. Um, so there, we talked about that show called the, the filthy rich cattle drive, right? There was a kid that was in that show that was a prince. Um, he was a prince of Italy or I know that something yeah. like that was some weird thing. So he had bought a show that we, that I did a deal for with Kimberly Stewart and Kelly Osborne and that prince from the, from that show. And had Kelly been on Osborne's yet? Yes, Osborne's already happened. Okay. So, they, so Kelly was looking to make a comeback. Kim okay. was popping a little bit. Okay. And then this guy, they loved him from that thing. So okay. I had a big meeting with uh, Lisa Berger, who ran E, yeah. and Jeff Jenkins, uh, who ran the Kardashian show, and Farnaz, and um, right. uh, Jonathan Murray, who owned Buna Murray. We all sat there, and we had this deal for the show. Lisa Berger greenlit it, blah, 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 blah. We start shooting the show, and it was basically like a reverse simple life. They took a prince from Italy, and then Kimberly Stewart and uh, Kelly Osborne, like they got to like take him and teach him about, you know, the United States, whatever. Some some weird, crazy concept. Yeah. Now, Kim and Kelly went to war during production with each other, with each other. And the show got shut down. They both walked from the show and it was a fucking disaster. Now, at that exact time. That was the month or about six weeks before that they shot the uh, the barbecue that was the original pilot for the Kardashians. And basically, because they always talk shit about the Kardashians, they basically, okay, green, the they basically greenlit the Kardashian show and then fired everybody from this Prince Kelly Osbourne, Courtney, uh, uh, Kimberly Stewart show. And that show got done. And it was very embarrassing for them because all of a sudden, like their rival, the Kardashians, they went straight to series. That's so interesting because, yeah, the Kelly Osborne and the Osborne story, um, you know, I would we had some doings with each other at E and I always really liked her, thought she was great. And um, I want to say like she hosted some something and I was like a presenter and she was fun. And then, um, and then of course she went on the view. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And just to be given all these opportunities, just given and like, and I mean, remember the Osbournes, not that school matters, but it does too. I think yeah. you should go to high school. I mean, yeah. the, none of the kids even went to like high school. Yeah. And so, you know, there are getting all these opportunities. And, um, and I see her at this event a few years ago, it was before COVID, right before COVID. And she had something that she was supposed to do and she goes, Oh, if I don't want to do something like she, she me, I don't want to say this because I'm like, anyway, I, I got that she does get out of things or flake on things. Yeah. And she thinks they're always going to keep coming. And I remember they're sitting not. at that moment being like, <laughs> Ask Scott, I, what are you doing? Like, I would never blow off an opportunity, but that's because nothing was ever given to me. Right. Well, like, if you were, I, if you were the daughter I, of some really famous yeah. guy and you grew up really rich, you would look at him and be like, I don't give a fuck. I, or I you do really bad business. And that's why you would not yeah, give a fuck. Or just like when it just comes so easy and you're 13 and you're a star and you immediately get a record and you're performing like a virgin yeah. on the MTV or all these things. And, you know, and then she goes on The View and she says the ultimate joke that, that fell flat was, I mean, do you remember what it was? No. It's so bad. She, you know, is trying to be political because it's a political show. And she says... Um, all I want to say is Donald Trump, if you don't let any immigrants in this country, who is going to clean your toilet? And they're like, what? And she goes, they're like, oh, that's, that's not what, that's not the only jobs immigrants yeah. could have. She's like, no, I didn't mean that. I didn't. And it's live. And she thought she was like so proud to do it. Yeah. And then she immediately tried to say, just so you know, I do have a cleaning person, but I make sure I only, I always clean my own toilet. I'm like, oh nobody God. cleans your own toilet that has a cleaning person. And like, yeah. you just forget it. And I just think I was like, wow, that, because what it showed you is that you were a real child of privilege yeah. and you have to just embrace, you just have to be who you are. Like the reason I think it's interesting that there are TikTok people that are like, like I follow this girl, and she called the stay-at-home daughter. I think she's now engaged. She's just a pretty girl and she did really funny videos, but she was a really rich girl and she would like, you know, narrate her day of shopping and facials, but she was funny in the narration. I've written to her and I'm like, you're yeah. funny. Just be who you are. Right. Like don't, it's when, it's when people try to act like they're, they're not, they're not privileged. What like, it doesn't mean yeah. you're a bad person that you came from a lot of money or that you were handed these opportunities, but what, what people won't accept today is people that aren't being authentic. That's true. You know? And, 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 and those guys, I mean, Jack and Kelly opened up the doors for all of this stuff because without that show, we wouldn't yeah. have had the opportunity to sell all these other shows. I mean, really the forefront of that world was the Osbournes and then the simple life. Yeah. I mean, that, that was the entire, I mean, that made my entire business too, because I signed everybody out of those worlds. Right. So it was, you know, it was very important. So let's wrap up and talk a little bit about what your, some of the things that you want to share with the people, the juicy scoopers. Well, look, I, you talk know, a little closer. I, I've been, I've been doing this for 25 years as a, you know, agent, manager, A&R, producer, creator, and the star of a couple of my own shows like Sons of Hollywood and Hollywood Hillbillies. And um, I co-created a show called Celebrity Rehab 
with Dr. Drew. That was a big, big hit. And um, all of Ray J's TV shows, you know, I'm the executive producer of and we created those shows together. So what I've done is I've created the Hollywood Handbook, which is a VT, a virtual training seminar, which is kind of like a book that you watch and listen to. And I teach you everything that you need to know how to become an influencer, how to become a reality star, how to basically become a pop culture talked about you know, celebrity. So I teach you how to monetize your content, create your content, reach out to buyers, reach out to media, market your stuff, and everything is in there from A to B to C in thehollywoodhandbook.com. And it's very easy to understand. And believe me, listen, there was a time and place when Ray J and Kim were sitting around trying to figure it out and how to get a marketing plan together, which they did, which turned them into billionaires. These are the kinds of things that you're gonna learn hands-on in the Hollywood handbook, because we've been there, we've done it, and I want to share what I teach my clients to do with the world. And so they just like just watch videos or what yeah, is it's, this? It's it's like going to a class. So okay, basically, so it's like a master class. It's, it's I, like I the master class, but you're yeah, not. But you're it, not. It is a master of- class, but everybody's like, I have a master class. This is not a. This is a. This is a virtual training seminar. How many hours is it? Uh, the the first initial launch right now is an hour and a half. Oh, okay. So it's cool. broken up into, and and you can take it, and we're there to help you. And there's a couple of different paths that you can go down where you can actually reach out and work with us directly. And you know that we're going to have big uh, group calls with people, and there's one on ones that we can do. And if you really want to go to the next level, I will actually mentor you and help open up the doors with your projects and get them out there. Very cool. Yeah. So we're doing All right. Little, great. And I partnered with Brad Lee, who uh, owns Lightspeed VT. And, um, you know, he's the biggest in the game in that world. He's he's the mastermind, huge, huge social media influencer and has the technology behind how we launched this VT. Awesome. All right. Tell them again how to, how to find <laughs> it got, and how to follow well, you. Uh, well, I am at Sir David Weintraub um, on Instagram. and my. Uh, oh, you did a Sir thing too. Yeah. Oh, he was the Lord Disick. You did the Sir. Oh, I'm the Sir, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and uh, thehollywoodhandbook.com is where you can get the VT. And obviously go to dwetalent.com and that's my website. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thank this you. Very fun. juicy. Oh, yeah. Very Okay, guys, we do have a little update as promised about the earrings and earring gate. I first really want to thank all the juicy scoopers that all your comments from the YouTube to the Patreon to under my Instagram and TikTok reels, giving your insight. It's really because of you, one particular Patreon person who cracked this cold case. It was a cold case. And um, I love hearing your analogy and I'm really going through it. So I'm just going to give a short update for right now to just give you some facts and then I'll cover some more of that and what I've discovered on the top of Thursday's show. So over the weekend, we did go to the UPS and we sent a replica of the beautiful earrings back to Krista Lamas and we have received word via Venmo that $3,000 have been returned to our account. And at this point, I just really want to thank all those that conspired against me because the fact that they are all agreeing to stay silent proves what I believe to be true. And silence is, they've planned it, it's guilt, it's knowing what they did wrong. And it's quite obvious to me and to you guys. And I will share more. I just need to process everything that's coming in um, and 
also give you great, great juicy content at the same time. So thanks so much for listening. Go to heathermcdoll.net. Holidays are here. A lot of people are wanting juicy scoop merch. I also have some juicy scoop hoop stuff. If you and your friends have been following it and you want to enjoy this moment, there's onesies, there's baseball caps, shirts, bags, all of it at heathermcdoll.net. That's also where you go to join Patreon. New episodes every Friday and so much more. Thank you so much.